Alrighty, people. Thanks for joining. Uh, I think we'll kick this off. I think we've waited long enough. Uh, hopefully, everybody's uh, on board. Um, I am Chris, Chris Haig from uh, Mercury IT. So um, we are an MSP on the Gold Coast, and we handle uh, cybersecurity, uh, lots of IT solutions, different consultancy, uh, managed services, cloud services, uh, you know, Azure, et cetera, uh, Microsoft 365. So if you do need to talk about any of those aspects, please reach out to us and we can go from there. Now, the reason why we're here is we're doing this uh, series over the next couple of weeks on the uh, NIST uh, framework. Now, a lot of people go, well, okay, why are we talking about this? And it is really around uh, the breaches that we see, and it's getting uh, more and more serious uh, as we're moving on. So you'll see um, the breaches, if you look at this brief history, for instance, you'll note that they just get more and more and bigger and bigger. And there just really is no uh, stopping it. Uh, you, you see it in the news every other day, and it's just continual. So how do we actually defend um, our networks, our businesses, uh, the people we work with, et cetera, uh, around this? And this actually brings us to another problem because there's so many security vendors in this space. If you have a look at this slide, it's uh, kind of a bit of a telling story. And you can think about anyone that's trying to manage this is um, you, you're kind of drowning a bit. It's like, where do you even start? So you can see here, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of security vendors. And which ones do you pick? You know, like everybody's gonna claim that they're the best, right? And this is where the framework comes in. So the idea is if you don't have a framework to work towards, uh, you're not actually gonna have an idea of what bits you actually need. It's a, it's a case of picking the next shiny thing that comes out and hoping that it's going to protect you instead of having a cohesive plan and actually understand what it is that you're protecting. So, like I said, this is where the NIST cybersecurity framework came from. Now, traditionally, it's uh, uh, American, but it's had input from uh, businesses, um, governments, uh, non-for-profits, uh, education, academia, etc., and it's all uh, been brought together. So the idea is it was an all-encompassing uh, framework that could actually manage the end-to-end -end, uh, idea around um, cybersecurity. And I think one of my favorite bits about this was they had a direction right from the beginning that this had to be understood in plain English. So it is one of those frameworks that you can actually pick up and read the whole thing. I think it's only about 50, 56 pages for the framework. Uh, but you have a very good understanding. It's an easy read, and you can understand what they're getting at. Now, you can see that the framework is actually made up of five functions. So we've got our identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. Now, you can see the way it's set up is from the left with identify and protect. You're kind of getting into that point of kind of what's all the pre-stuff that we're doing uh, to help our businesses. So what's all those uh, precursor events that we can do? Then you'll see in the middle with the de kind of detect and the respond, it's kind of, okay, how are we actually managing an actual breach or, or an attack? And then finally, how do we actually recover at the end? So it covers the, the breadth of it right from the start to the end. Now, we'll be digging into each of the bits. You can see some of the boxes underneath, so some of the categories within those functions. And within each category, there are subcategories. In total, there's about 108 
uh, subcategories across these five functions. Now, we obviously don't have time to go through all of those. Uh, it would just take too long <laughs> to keep you on a webinar for hours and hours. So what we are going to do is I'm going to go through it very, very high level. So it gives you an idea of where to actually start within your business. And we're just going to pick out some bits uh, that we can have more of a conversation around that's maybe more interesting. So moving on to our first function then, uh, which is the identifier. Now, within that function, there are five uh, categories. We have asset management, business environment, governance, risk assessment, and risk management strategy. So I just want to delve into each of these. Uh, and like I said, pretty brief, but give you an understanding of what they are and what we need to be looking at. So starting with asset management. Now, what I've done is I've either placed a couple of bullet points on the slide or some questions for you to start thinking about and you have an understanding of where this fits. But when we talk about asset management, most companies or most people are going to think straight away, they'll, talk, they'll think about like asset tagging like a laptop or a mobile phone. So kind of like company property uh, tagging. So the key thing here that I wanted to pick out is it's not just the hardware that you're actually doing the asset management on. You need to be thinking about what software is actually running on these devices. You need to think about your people. Uh, you need to think about the buildings and you need to think about location because all those bits are really important, right? So it's kind of like uh, what software is that device running? Who's running it? Where are they? Which building are they in? Because it's all very important, right? You might have someone that can access something from one location, but not from another. And you're going to need to actually uh, categorize that uh, before you can start to make those decisions. So it's, it's quite important that it's, it's a lot bigger than uh, what you initially think. Don't forget that last little piece there as well, talking about external systems as well. There is something referred to as shadow IT. This is where you might have a department within your organization that literally takes a credit card, purchases an online software product, a SaaS product, and IT don't know about it. And they could be uploading a lot of sensitive data into that application to actually use. Absolutely critical that we understand that those, uh, those uh, pieces of software and services are being used as well. Now, moving into business environment, now you can see here I've spoken, uh, again, I'm only pulling out certain bits, um, but here we talk about the organization's role in the supply chain. This could be absolutely critical because you'll have businesses or people within those businesses going, okay, well, we're not really important. We're like the small little player and we supply whatever, this widget, to whatever company. But what if you are supplying the widget to a, uh, an electric company that supplies power? Now, all of a sudden, you're within the supply chain of a critical service for a country. So there's those little bits that you start to uh, have to think about because uh, it's normally quite, quite a bit bigger. So think about the dependencies when we start talking about business environments and what those critical services are. Again, it's not just external. It's within your business as well. How many suppliers do you have that if they got attacked and supply stopped, would it adversely affect your business? So think about that within the, uh, within the planning. 
Now, cybersecurity uh, governance uh, is an interesting one. Pro pro <laughs> it's probably one of the more boring ones, and uh, this <laughs> so I won't go into too much detail around governance. But you do need to think, uh, like, think about like uh, legal and uh, regulatory uh, uh, requirements here. You might you might fall under specific uh, guidelines from government that you have to meet. So think about those and make sure that you are meeting those. Like for instance, if you're selling uh, anything in uh, Europe, then you'd have stuff like GDPR that you're gonna need to uh, adhere to. And then the governance around that's obviously checking it and making sure that it's, uh, that it's correct. So our next one that we're talking about is uh, risk assessment. So now you have done the um, management of the assets, so you understand what assets they are, which means you can understand what you're trying to protect, right? So once we know what it is, then we need to identify if there's vulnerabilities for that particular asset. Now, again, please bear in mind, we're not just talking about like a laptop or a software. There could be vulnerabilities against uh, your people or et cetera. So keep, keep it wide with regards to what you're thinking about. So we can use cyber uh, threat intelligence. So we can use various websites that will actually give us information about certain threats. You must identify internal as well as external threats. A lot of the time when I work with companies on this, they always seem to think about the external threat. And the reality is some of the biggest breaches in the world of uh, lost money or lost data, et cetera, is actually starts from an internal threat. So it's an, it's an insider threat that you're talking about. So disgruntled employee, um, et cetera. So, so watch out for those as well and have a think about it. Now, you would do a normal risk assessment as in you would have a matrix of what that uh, risk looks like against those particular assets. And the cool thing about that is you can prioritize where the money is being spent to secure your organization. Now, the risk management strategy, not much to really talk about here. It's just really wrapping up. Uh, how you manage risk. So for instance, how often do you do a risk management uh, kind of piece? So, or a risk assessment, should I say? So that all falls within that, uh, the management strategy itself. Kind of touched on this a little bit already with regard to supply chain. So I'm not gonna go through it again, but it's a good question. Should you be doing any kind of auditing on your suppliers? So your third parties that you work with. So how important is it? Now, you'll note a lot of larger organizations do actually do this, uh, including governments, as an example. So if you're an organization and supplying services to government, they will audit you and make sure that you're meeting uh, the right uh, requirements there. Now, that is a quick run through of um, these various elements uh, that we are talking about of those, uh, those categories within the functions. But what we are gonna do is we are gonna bring in some experts like Philip Mayer from Microsoft. So he's, he's been uh, at Microsoft for over 29 years and certainly knows his stuff. So I definitely wanna introduce uh, Phil. How are you going? I'm doing well, how are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, absolutely perfect. Good to be here, thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem at all. Now, uh, we spoke earlier about um, doing a, uh, a couple of questions here of uh, what we wanna do. Okay. So, <clears throat> what I want to talk about is um, the first thing I suppose is, you know, we saw that slide of all those vendors and just how complex that is. And I think it would be interesting uh, for people to know that Microsoft is very invested in security and actually sees itself as a security company. 
So mm -hmm. I suppose we start there. Like, what's Microsoft's approach? Yeah, that, that's a good perspective to take, Chris. I will start by saying thank you very much, Chris, and the team at Mercury IT for putting this on. I think this is a very important time to think about security. Uh, we only have to look at the other weekend when we had a significant telco in our country attacked on one of the tangents. Um, so yeah, so to the point, Microsoft is a security company. I imagine a number of people on the call are probably surprised by that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? They go, oh, aren't they the same guys who do Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and maybe they got this thing called Azure as well? Um, well, security has actually been, in my experience in 29 years, as you've mentioned, there was a really hard stop in our business about 18 years ago, 2002, I remember it very significantly, because it was then that we started to see these security uh, challenges arise, phishing attacks, right. malware and the like. So at that time, we really approached it in three, if I can, three parts. We knew that technology was an important part to it. We knew partnerships with others was an important part to it. And we also realized we had to build some processes to make the world a safer place. So on the tech side, maybe to provide a little bit of back cloth to that, it may and probably is a surprise to many people on the call that we spend, I think it's about a billion dollars US a year in creating technology in the security space. So there are all the anti, all the antis, the anti-malware, the anti-phishing, the anti-virus, the anti-ransomware. So there's a bunch of technology in that family that we don't really call out by name because many of the people would know if they're acquiring something like Microsoft 365, they're actually in the box. So again, that might be new to some of the people online, that there is this thing called Microsoft 365. And that is for about, you know, check with Chris and the team at Mercury IT, but for about $10 more per user per month, you're going to getting all those anti addressing technologies, as well as some stuff to do with incident management, device management, asset management, right. and the like. Um, if, if I may, I'd like to share a slide with you later, uh, Chris, which actually talks about this change the conversation concept, All right. where in that term, we're trying to change the conversation from that really busy slide that you presented, which is made up of many, many different vendors to the idea that you want to buy security. If I can use an analogy, a quick analogy, it's like buying a car. Not a lot of people these days go and buy the air filter, the gearbox, the transmission, the, glass, the, the, the doors, the seats, and try and build their car. So we're trying to change the conversation to one of, oh, you do? Okay, there's a few out there. We're trying to change the conversation to one which is around, you go and buy a car, whether it's an economy car or a really robust SUV, you go buy a car and then you fit some aftermarket product. But I'll send you the slide, cool. and Haley or one of the team can share it later on. The second bit um, is partnerships. We saw that it was really important to have partnerships, partnerships with other security vendors in the market, getting all the telemetry we, we have from things like Office 365, email, even things like Xbox and Bing, and sharing that back to a range of different uh, partners again, and also with law enforcement. And the third bit, which I'll close on, is the, the operational processes that we've put in place. And this is probably the biggest surprise for the people who joined the call today, is that we have about four, arguably more, different units that are there to make the world a safer place, a, a securer place. One is just the digital crimes unit. And I'll, I'll send you a slide, or if anybody's online, 
go to Wikipedia and search for Microsoft Digital Crimes Unit. There's a whole posting up there on Wikipedia about the DCU, and that's there to do forensic work, analysis, people who are cyber criminals and analyze that. The other one is the Cyber Defense Unit. You can search for that one as well. They're actually a armed team. They go and attack organized crime units. So their day job is to turn up, go online, dark web, public web, and attack the attackers, take out cyber crime units. And we've taken out quite a number. Um, some have made the media, some have been done in partnership with those law enforcement agencies around the world. And there's another unit that creates software technology like photo DNA. Uh, and we share that in the open market through those operational groups. And that's to help with tracking down missing children, missing people by analyzing photos. But they're trawling the dark web. So yeah, so it might be a surprise. We spend a billion dollars a year in making, and that's more than most of those people in that slide you represented make as revenue. We spend that every year, a billion dollars, to make better security products and drive those processes all around making it um, a safer place. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad I asked. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> I thought you'd regret because it was a pretty long answer. <laughs> Uh, interesting. Uh, you know, when we when we looked at the functions there, like I said, we can't look at all those categories, but there there were two that kind of popped out in my head, uh, knowing that I was obviously speaking uh, to you, uh, Phil from Microsoft, and I thought there would be some uh, synergy, some areas around uh, the asset management piece and around the uh, risk uh, kind of assessment uh, piece as well. And then starting with the the asset management, and we know how critical it is to actually identify those assets uh, very, very carefully and, and tracking them. So a, a lot of people on this webinar are probably using uh, Microsoft 365 uh, already and may not know of, of a way to actually start this kind of asset tracking uh, journey. So is there, is there something there that can help them? Yeah, so again, I'll hark back to that Microsoft 365 and that additional $10 per user per month. There is an asset management technology in there, and I'll probably send you a slide on that called Intune. Yeah, please do. Yep, so Intune is a good starting point. And, you know, I think you summar up, summarized the asset management query quite well earlier, talking about it being more than just the physical items, more than just the PC, more than just the Mac, more than the iPhone, more than the Android. It's much more than the server that's in the organization, those physical assets like the routers, the switches, etc. It is, as you say, it's the software in their business. So what software do they have? Who is entitled to use that software? If somebody who's not authorized to access a particular device or particular service, maybe that should send off an alarm. And I'm sure you're gonna to get to that uh, detection module in your probably your third episode, detect yep. being third. You'll get to that. And then the fourth, you'll talk about respond. And again, that's, well, where does that then get fired off to in terms of that user in that location, accessing a service and set of software they weren't supposed to, or seeing an email of a particular characteristic. But all these we see as assets. Mm. All these assets are beyond, as you say, the physical, they're the virtual, the documents, the users, the spreadsheets, the chats. And that's very much what we see in terms of the shift from IT systems of when I got in the industry in the late 70s from where you walk, used to walk into a fortress building with a mainframe and a mini computer and everything was self-contained in there. There really wasn't anything other than that, if you will, firewall building. Mm. And so we then, what did we do in the modern era? We put up firewalls. But that firewall has become quite porous now. 
because people are working from home. Yes, the new yes, perimeter of our organisation is the people, and that's one of those assets. The identity is such a critical item, a critical asset to protect. So in that vein of identity, what do you think it is that the criminals go after first? Yeah, identity. Yeah. Identity. That's the that's the, the vulnerability. And I like the way you talked about the slide supply chain risk assessment. Because where do they go in first? They go into somebody who might be working in maybe not in a core job in one of those vendors. They go into a a, a job which might be in the accounts department, mm. it might be in some secondary service function. And they get that identity, they penetrate the system and they use that to go further. So having the asset control doing the risk management, doing the risk assessment, and the government is such a critical step to identifying the parameters that then fall to the last piece I'll mention, which is conditional access. Who are they? Where are they? What are they using? All those assets being analysed. And then I'm sure in your later sections when you'll get into the respond, you'll talk about AI systems that do risk scores and then verify who that user is and challenge them with things like multi-factor authentication. I'm trying to keep it English because I know that's one of the principles of NIST. I'm trying <laughs> to keep it English here, but I've already gone into talking about MFA, multi-factor authentication. You know what it is. Some of the people on the line might know what it is. And I'm sure in a later episode, somebody will explain more about what we mean by multi-factor authentication. We'll definitely be touching on it. Absolutely. Yeah, and then the, you know, obviously if you use a bank today and you get challenged on a transfer, that's like a multi-factor authentication. But it could be a block. You may block that user because they're in, in an accounts department. They're in a secondary. Why are they trying to access the production line? Why are they trying to change job orders? Why are they trying to get into some other area? But enough said on asset management. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, the 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 last, um, you know, the two items in there that we had as well are around risk. So doing a, a kind of risk analysis and risk management. Now, yep. in my experience, this can be very challenging for the smaller organization because a, a larger organization, quite often they would actually have a risk team that reports into the board, right? So they have a, a, a very good way yeah. of uh, doing that risk assessment and understanding it. I think it's very challenging and probably daunting uh, for a lot of businesses that don't have those internal resources though, like where do they even start? Yeah. Now, is, is there anything within the, the Microsoft stack that kind of helps a little bit with this from, a, from that kind of point of view? Well, again, on the tech side, there's a lot and we're doing a lot on the operations side, but I think the first starting point is an organization like you, your organization to come in and help them to establish those risk parameters, to help them go through some of that tooling that we do provide under the risk score tool which runs across their portfolio of the assets, again, people, as much as hardware, but in partnership with uh, your, your team, Chris, to be able to analyze that risk score. There's another one called Secure Score, which is done in the dimension of, well, how does my business stack up against like organizations in the market? So I'm in the real estate game, I'm in the property management game. What should be the security of my businesses versus you know somebody in defense which is clearly a lot hardened more hardened yeah but so working with you um you can then get a score see where you stand with your like industry peers and determine where there's weaknesses and again with the, you know chris and the team from mercury it you can address that element um clearly i mean you, you also talked about uh, governance uh, mm -hmm. in that element 
part of that risk management, there's a lot of flowing and a lot of interconnecting of these different systems together, governance to asset to risk. They all do interconnect. So something in that space around risk management would be something like DLP. Again, I'm using letter, you know, data loss prevention, which is identifying when credentials or documents, assets are leaving the business inappropriately. So again, that data loss prevention technology is in the box with Microsoft 365 with Teams and has recently been added to the endpoint technology as well. Compliance manager, very much in line with what you talked about with respect to governance, uh, compliance to regulatory requirements, legislation. One I will call on in terms of risk management is one that I only really learned about uh, a couple of weeks ago at a, at a security webinar that we include, which is called Inside Insider Risk Manager. So it's specifically called Insider Risk Management, okay. which is pointing out where you've got an employee disgruntled or otherwise and detecting their, uh, you know, suspicious behaviour. For example, with Insider Risk Manager, you can detect when somebody does a loud stab loan from of files, right. stores them onto a USB key. That's all cool. But what if two days later they leave the business? <laughs> now that action of two days ago is a little suspicious, yeah. given that they resign. So inside a risk manager is actually built to interconnect to a range of different HR systems. So that when their records are updated in the HR system, mm. that they've left the business, the systems talk together you don't have to be aware as a manager. You're aware because the risk manager is now talking to HR and seeing somebody's left the business and sends an alert to one of your staff at Mercury IT or somebody yep. in their organisation to stay is a risk. And as you know, you, one of my favourite things in risk management is that information protection. Now, you'll probably have a talk about that when you get to the protect element in your third episode. But I love that idea that, again, we're managing risk by identifying what is a corporate asset Yep. Who is a corporate user? Those assets can exist together. This application is not a corporate asset. And they're trying to paste it to somebody who's not a corporate asset. So we're identifying risk and preventing a copy and paste function from a corporate environment to a non-corporate environment. So again, these are some of the capabilities that I put under risk management, that first stage of identify to be able to set it up to be able to do the detect, to be able to do the protect, to be able to do the respond in those various steps along the NIST cycle. No, absolutely. Totally agreed. And thanks for that. There's some really, really good information there. Uh, we're probably coming up to the end of our time. I don't want to keep you uh, too much uh, longer. Uh, thanks so much for joining us and giving that's us right. uh, some uh, insight there. Um, <clears throat> the um, next series uh, is uh, coming up as well. Uh, I'll just pop up the slide so those of you who don't have the um, <clears throat> the dates and that can grab you there. Move it back to the end there. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's a good reminder of what we've been through. Yeah, like a, a very, very quick uh, flash through. Don't forget about the supply chain management. <laughs> so there's our part two. Uh, so they'll come up uh, the following week uh, and that will be on our protect. Uh, bit. So make sure you uh, register and jump on. Uh, there is a prize as well. Uh, more information on that um, on uh, LinkedIn. So you'll see it there. Uh, and thank you so much for attending and we'll see you next week again. Phil, thanks again for your time. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you.
Uh, thank you. Very great opportunity. Uh, thank you. Bye. Thank you.